My name is Travis Sintel. And you are awaited. It's, it's another guest episode. We're I'm really killing excited. the guest episode. Yeah. You know oh, what? Wait, I, sorry. The, the podcast sorry. on which we oh, talk shit. about. Go, see, go. No, there's a podcast on which we, we, we watch. God, you always do this. Welcome to Mad Max Fear Road. You are awaited a Mad Max Fear Road podcast where we watch four minutes at a time of Mad Max Fear Road until your eyeballs bleed and your dick becomes hard. <laughs> right. There, there it is. I'm, work, I'm working <laughs> yeah, it out there still. There it is. Um, uh, but this is a special guest episode uh, in which we don't hold to the four minutes and we just, uh, we, we invite a guest in to talk about why they love the movie like we love the movie. Um, and uh, let's, let's get right into the, to the, to, to the guest. I love that you said get right into it after it's we had get, 45 minutes of just pure uh, jerking aroundery. Jerking aroundery? Yeah, that's what we just had. God, I love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Welcome to the jerking aroundery show. Um, in which we have uh, a guy that I love uh, who uh, we, we met uh, doing a show that became a podcast. Yes. You have your own podcast. True. In addition to that show, in, in addition to many other things, you have, you've also guested on other people's podcasts. Of many. Of many. Um, you may know him uh, from the Thrilling Adventure Hour. You may know him from Welcome to Night Vale. You may know him from his very own show, We Got This. How lovely, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Hey, what's up? What's up? That's my new catchphrase, which what's I got from my day job. What's up? One, one of my friends at work, Avi, has a, has a friend who I've gotten to know who apparently greets everybody by saying, hey, what's up? Which is just so delightfully <laughs> dumb that I now use it. I was on, I got to go on satellite radio last week. And when they, after they introduced me, the first thing I said was, Hey, what's up? <laughs> Just, Shout out why to not? That makes me really happy. <laughs> I, wow. I used to, I, anything in high school that I, I started out mocking as a, as a colloquialism that, that dumb people used, I instantly appropriated and it became a thing I did. And, right. I, and I, I hated myself for it constantly. <laughs> it's okay when we do it. Yeah, okay, good. So what's, Obviously. So how, what's, what's up? Yeah, what's hey, up? what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, Mad Max, what's up? So to anyone still listening to this, uh, uh, this episode of the podcast... Um, Hopefully we've got at least Hal's fans on this one. Yeah, I want to say... I, as, Hi, as, Dad. As way, of introduction, <laughs> as way of introduction to... Not to Hal, which um, Yuri has done and will do more of, hopefully, because I also do not know Hal personally. We've just met. Yes. And I look forward to uh, greeting you Wait, on this so, podcast so, and in the sometimes future. Sometimes Travis Likewise. brings in his friends. Sure. Yeah. Sometimes I bring in my friends. Yeah. I think we just equalized. I think you're the equalizer today because you've had two that you brought in and now we've had two that I've The great equalizer. Can I, can I ask up? you a question before we get into Mad Max? Yeah. Do you guys both, like if I have, if I have two groups, like I had friends that I had in college and then friends from high school and I was not desperate but very excited for them to become friends with one another. Like I like a big melting pot of friends. I don't like yeah. to compartmentalize relationships. Are you guys the same way? Where you want all your friends to meet I one another? I do, but it doesn't always end well. Really? Yeah, I don't. I I always assume because I love that person and because I love that person, yeah. that those people automatically get together. That doesn't always happen. I would say Yuri and I are very similar in this, in that we I I have been to many of Yuri's parties. Yuri's Yuri has been to many of my parties, where our hope is that we bring all these disparate group groups of friends together, and we hope they meet. And I'll go I go out of my way to introduce certain people to each other in that morass. Yeah. Uh, but I always have this hope that, that connections will be made, and maybe one of, out of every party will become friends, I think. But yeah, that's my, always yeah. my secret hope, and I think it was yours too. I mean, I, I do love that when I go to your parties, I always feel like I trust that I, I can go up to anyone and they'll be fine. I feel like, the same like they're safe. Yours. Yeah, you I know, feel like, like they've been vetted by someone right. whose vetting process <laughs> <Right>. I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Pre friends. Yeah, pre friends. They're pre friends. Pre friends. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I know we, we sort of started the conversation before we started rolling about Civil War because that was this weekend. Um, uh, we're, well, we're not going to talk about it because you haven't. Uh, let's talk about it. No, we can talk about it. I don't mind being spoiled. I again yeah. aggressively wish I cared more. Uh, yeah, Hal, no. here's an ongoing hey, thing for me. Hey, it's okay. I just want to tell Hal. I got burnt on superhero movies pretty hard. Not burnt like you. You fucked me, but like burnt yeah. like kind of just tired. Okay. Um, maybe what? around Star Wars: Force Awakens, even though it's not a superhero movie. It just that's around the time I felt like, well, fuck all this shit because that movie made me mad. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and I haven't seen a superhero We've gone movie down since. that road on this show before. We yeah, we don't have to. Re, we don't have to retrammel that. Right, that's a, that's a whole other podcast for us. Listen, wow. if you want to get into it, we can get into it. But no. but uh, but I just haven't seen it, and I, it's not because I don't think I would like it. I think mm -hmm. I would like it very much. 
I just, I, I, I'm, my brain instantly forgets those things are out. Okay. Um, I would, I would. But here, but but full yeah. disclosure, hearing Hal talk about Civil War prior to the taping of this podcast just now has made me want to go see it. Oh, I'm a real. I should be going door to door. I feel sold. For Marvel, I do. I right? feel sold by you in a way that it you, pl- pleases me. You should at least I go door to door to the seven people who won't see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it you won't take just, you long. Just give me the twenty five dollars. I'll send it directly to Marvel Studios. <laughs> right. they're, they're just south of here. It's fine. Um, I saw, I saw Green Room though, and Green Room was. Did you cover your eyes at any point? Uh, I let, let me let me tell you this. I am you know having having loved movies for as long as I have. Having been in this business for as long as I have, there is a separation when I sit in the in the in the house, you know, between me and the movie. I don't, I never feel myself fully immersed and lost in the movie anymore, uh, which which I'm sad about, but uh, you know, I'm also proud of. Um, now, I squirmed in my chair in a way that, in an uncomfortable way that I have not in a long time. Movie, and I watch a lot of horror movies. Like I've seen it all. There is some shit that went down in green room. Um, because of the way it was set up and, and everything that made me, like, literally... And, and you know, it was, it was, I'm glad there was nobody else in the theater wow. to see... Uh, me, well, there, were, there may have been two other guys, but um, it was uh, harrowing um, and great. And I loved, I loved uh, Solnier's uh, first film, uh, Blue Ruin. I you recommend? Well. I recommend Green Room okay. and Blue Ruin, um, but they're both dark. The entire color wheel and of red rum. films. <laughs> right, <laughs> red, red Rum will be his... Yeah, yeah. that's nice. Uh, let's get to Matt Max. Uh, yeah, I think. let's get. Yeah, because uh, uh, it, Hal. So, yes. uh, as by way of introduction of, of guest episodes, sure. as I've done to previous guests, and we'll do now to you. Uh, we're happy to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we're happy to drive, or we're happy to backseat. If there's things you love about, and clearly your, your nerd credentials are are, are unassailable. <laughs> we you. look forward to hearing what you have to say about the film, and we expect that you like the film. I'm expecting. I don't. I have no. I wouldn't. You know. Well, here's the thing. I would have only brought Hal in. If he loved the film right. or hated the film, because right. right. now we haven't had anybody who's hated the film in yet, but I have someone in mind that I'd kind of like to bring in someday. Not because we feel like we need to find holes in the film, because you know, as we go through, we may find one little thing we disagree with, and then usually we end up Wait. either talking ourselves out of it or. We're like, ah, but we don't to care. To be fair, let, let's listen. Yuri's being a little generous about this. Well, to be fair, what happens is Travis is trying really hard to nitpick the film, find something who, that I think is a, a valid criticism of the film. Okay. And Yuri goes, yeah, okay. And I'm like, Yuri, are you disagreeing with me or agreeing with me? With me? And he goes, mm, I just don't care. <laughs> well, you, you said you're making a valid point. I don't care. I don't care. So all of our criticisms are so far, eh. Yeah. But that's when you love something, when you really totally love something. I totally get it. And again, this, I'm going to bring it back to Civil War for a second, which I've seen three times. We're Fantastic. Now, the Sunday of opening guys, weekend. Guys, yeah, it just opened. Launch um, into this. Launch into Civil but, War too. But what, what I will say about it, just in, in when you love a film and you think it's made extremely well, the performances are great, mm-hmm. the action is great, the production design, like everything. Mm-hmm. S- similar to, to, to Mad Max, which is not a film, I, I don't think I've ever even looked for flaws in it. But certainly with something like Civil War, where I have 12 other films and eight years worth of material to look at and go, okay, this is something that's been built towards Mm -hmm. for all this time. I know that there are issues with it, but at that point, I'm like, well, I'm just looking for a reason to to not love it as much as I do. Why would I talk myself out of loving this thing? Yeah. Mm. And just go, yeah, of course, it's not perfect. There is no perfect film. It doesn't exist. I would argue that by finding things, uh, criticisms about things, doesn't make you love it less. It makes you love it more. Sure. If the thing's great, I'm not arguing for a dislike or a reduction in affection for Mad Max Fury Road. It's more like, let's talk about it with with the cold, hard truth of honesty here and and like look at it really. Uh, But but, uh, with the assumption that we will love it 100% regardless. Yeah. Um, that's just the outcome of all of our conversations. It's like, anyway, <laughs> yeah. it's great. So next episode, tune in. And, and, when <laughs> I go back, awesome. and when I go back and listen to our previous episodes, inevitably, I will think of, you know, a hundred more things that I forgot to say or that are inspired by me listening back to. I mean, that is one of the things that we love about this movie is that it's it's deep enough for us to literally have, have created a podcast where we talk about one movie. Yeah. yeah. It was an Every experiment week. that we thought might fail. That, yeah. just, in some some people's minds, has failed. Has failed, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. We think has continued to go on. Anyway. Right. 
Uh, it's, it's really important. This, this show's just for us. Yeah, and and your dad and my mom. And, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I bet uh, they get along really well. We should introduce yeah, yeah. them so Let's they can hang it. out. Let's yeah. talk about it. Now, did you? Because we talked about 3D before. When when you saw Mad Max in the theater, did mm -hmm. you first see it in 3D? Did you see it in both? I, 3D and 2D. Did you? I didn't. I actually I've seen it once in the theater and then countless times. It became like my iPad movie. If I'm traveling yeah. somewhere, yeah, I have it loaded up. I've watched it over and over again uh, since then. Um, but in general, three, the best that 3D can be for me is, is uh, not annoying. Right. Which it, w w Civil War was like, all right, this is, I've not seen it with some depth of field. It really doesn't add anything. If anything, you have to keep your, you almost have to wear a neck brace to watch something in 3D. Because if you have the, the, the battery-powered glasses, you can't change the angle too much. Or right. it's, you, you get the, the, the doubling or whatever the effect is that yeah. allows the... the the 3D to happen, and then even in the real D, which is I guess what this, what this Civil War is released in, it's the same thing. Like you can't look too far left or right. I'm just I'm always aware that I have to. Yeah, which which sort of takes you out of the out of the film. I, yeah. yeah, I the I saw this the second time I saw it. I saw it in 3D, mm -hmm. but I saw it in at the at Grauman's Chinese Theater, um, which has, in my opinion, the best 3D um, IMAX in ever, ever. You know, anywhere I've ever seen it because their projector is so bright mm -hmm. that there's no uh, light loss. One of my big issues with 3D is I'm constantly, I'm, I feel that it's a little dimmer than it should be and I pull the glasses off and it's much brighter, but you, they need yeah. they need to really pump it up and the Grumman's has the only one that, um, and so, so the one time I saw it there was good and then I saw it at a really horrible 3D thing and I said, never again, I'll never watch you know this movie at least in 3D again. Yeah. It doesn't... Yeah, I've said it before. I don't think that Fury Road gains anything. I've never seen it in the 3D. 3D. Just still haven't done it. Yeah, fair enough. No need, because well, you talked me out of it. Right. You've yeah. been my Mad Max Fury Road guide. <laughs> right, right. He's my, spirit guide. He's my ayahuasca for Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> he points me in the direction I need to go. Um, but uh, but so so on the iPad. I, I have yet to watch it on the iPad. Yeah. I mean, I own it in in various forms. Sure. I keep waiting for for them to release the the one that hopefully will contain the black and white version. Well, okay. Uh, which apparently is a thing. Before we get to content, yeah. um, one more thing about presentation packages. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine hit me up and said that he watched Mad Max Fury Road on the HBO Go or some sort of some version oh. of that. Yeah. And they said the sound uh, was compressed into such a strange way it ruined the whole film. Oh, so I don't shit. know if that's a thing that people have experienced, but um, the sound design, which is such an integral part of the film and the yeah. viewing experience, uh, if that's gone, apparently that also fucks things up for people too. Interesting. So be aware. It, may, it kind of makes me want to, because I have, I, I, I started paying for HBO now so that I could watch HBO things. Um, and... I haven't watched. I you know they they run ads for it all the time uh, for Fury Road on HBO, but I haven't watched it. It kind of makes watch me watch five minutes of it and see and if see if I can tell. Crunched and compressed and weird. Yeah, because I I'm surprised actually how about how often we talk about the sound design. I mean I guess in retrospect it's obvious, but it comes up so so much more than I thought it would. Right. So in terms of just story, in terms of character and story and plot, the sir it's not just. Um, um, Accoutrement icing this the sound design. It's it's an active player in narrative storytelling in this film. Yeah, in a way I haven't seen a lot before. So no, it's yeah, true. The sound tells you where you are, the story, what's happening around you. Like you could you probably could watch it with your eyes closed and have yeah. a great experience just just yeah. from the story being season told two by of the, the podcast. Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. We watch four minutes of time with our eyes closed. Yeah. Mad Max driving blind. Right, right, right. <laughs> driving nice. blind. I'm really happy right now. Uh, so wait, uh, just just to close off this narrative loop, um, mm -hmm. are, are there specific things about about Civil War or issues or themes that related to Mad Max Fury Road, or is it just the experience of enjoying a film that, that connected you to it? Um, I think it's just the experience of enjoying the film. This is... So this is my experience watching Mad Max for the first time in the theater. I went to see a later showing. I I didn't grow up watching the original films. Same. I saw bits here and there. They were fine. Same as Travis. We, we literally, the first three episodes of this podcast are going back to those original films yeah. so that he has the same background and so that we can review. Perfect. Yeah. So, so I'd heard good things about the movie. I hadn't seen it just because I felt it's a reboot. Generally, right. reboot, reboots are not something I'm interested in. I like Tom Hardy. I think it's great that George Miller has come back to, yeah. like, it's his story. He wants to tell a different version of it. Great. And then I start hearing how good it is. So I go to see it. The movie was probably ending around 10. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there, and it's I got so charged up. Because the whole thing is just, like, it, it's 
like what a two hour adrenaline shot. Yeah. And yeah, it does I not stop. Started looking for tickets, not to see it again, but just to see another. Like I was like, oh, I'm awake now. I'm gonna go see another movie. Yeah. And then as soon as it ended, it wasn't even like a sugar crash. It, like it was. It ended, and I was like, no, I can't do this now. I'm tired again. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Whatever. I just started while picking watching fights it. in the theater with everyone around me. <laughs> and when the credits rolled, I was like, never mind, guys. I'm good. I feel good. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I said that to you, you and you. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to fight you anymore. It's like Kingsman. <laughs> yeah. You're just yeah. going to do a fight. Right. Yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. One really long, extended one-take fight. Yeah. We're done. Then we're done. Oh, cool. Well, that's, that was my experience, certainly, with it. That just It was an immersive uh, theatrical experience, of which I had not had many of in the last couple of years. Yeah. That were yeah. comparable. Um, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. When I, I I tend towards superlative, you know, phrasing when I talk about things that I'm excited about. You know, everything that I'm excited about is the best thing sure. that's ever happened to me. Um, but I, I could not. And I was worried. About, you know, it, it, sometimes I'm worried about overselling a movie to people, and I'm like, I literally <laughs> said, I cannot oversell this movie. If 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 you don't love this movie. I There's something you. wrong with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I try not to do that because I try not to be too elitist about that because everybody's got their own, you know, taste, and I, I, I try to respect that. But people who, and people who didn't like the movie, that's fine. It doesn't always. Connect. But people who actively say that this movie was bad or terrible or they hated it, <laughs> I, I cannot. I cannot find room. I cannot find enough. I can't find um, enough hatred for them in your heart. Enough <laughs> hatred for them in my heart, and there's and I can't find any way to. Uh, Forgive them. <laughs> Absolve them of this terrible sin. Um, I mean, since, since, since you and Yuri know each other from sort of, I forget, forgive the moniker, but nerd-based worlds of which I am a part. Yes. Uh, uh, we've been getting back. We started off this podcast talking about world building. Come back to it. And there are things about the world building that, that you responded to in terms of the, the cohesiveness and immersiveness? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's something to <laughs> the fact that outside of... Um, um, the the what's not the Citadel? My goodness, I can't yeah. remember. Yeah, it's the Citadel. Yeah. Outside of that yeah. area, you're. It's just like no, there's just nothing. You are yeah. stuck in. Nothing. You get this sense of being trapped in in the desert. So I'm re- like the similar to Civil, Civil War had me pulled in just to close that. Finally, yeah. close that loop. Yeah, yeah. That was a movie that pulled me in, and immediately I was just. I, I have a similar problem to you where I'm looking at it, especially with comedies, and go like, oh, yeah. that's very funny. I see how they were uh, putting I, that together. Like, I'm right, interested. Yeah, right. like, it's like I can't watch magic and, and enjoy it. I'm trying to figure out how they did the trick yeah. and how well it was pulled off. Yeah, and how, so how I can you appreciate can it on that level. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but for, for, for Mad Max and for Civil War, I was just like, all right, take me on this ride, and here I am in this world, and there's nothing, there, there's nothing in that film that lets you think that anything else exists outside of... That like if the world was just that stretch of road, yeah. on which they drove, like okay, I completely believe yeah. that. I believe that the further you go, it's just more of the same. Yeah. Uh, it and it, there's something for that high octane of a film. There's something almost calming about that. Yeah. There's something like this I is agree, the world. and it's yet, and yet simultan- simultaneously, I would say that it does a good job of just saying, listen, don't worry about what's outside of this. This is the whole world, and immerse yourself in this. Concurrently to that, it's constantly, for me at least, asking me to examine more and think more about what are the what are these things connect to and what is the outside world. And yeah. I found that, especially on watch number whatever four four million, which mm-hmm. whatever watch we're on now, right. I feel like I'm thinking more about what what is outside the stretch of that of that road and what 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 is the backstory of that epaulette and what is the idea right. behind this and and that's to me good science fiction the, the big the big jump of, of star wars back in 78 was oh it's dirty it's lived in we've mm-hmm. lived in science fiction which is obviously in retrospect one of the best ideas and, and he didn't originate that but i think he's credited a lot with, yeah. with the idea of dirty yeah. sci-fi i think that's so smart because it, it it starts to create questions in your mind of oh how did the millennium falcon get banged up yeah. Why is it a, a, a junk heap? What, what, what was it? Who owned it before this? this yeah. it, it widens the world a little bit. It's not the clean spaceship of two thousand and one. Right. This isn't the first owner. You right. know, that's just yeah. the simple, the simple thing. And I think that everything in Mad Max Fury Road feels reused, repurposed, reorchestrated. And I, I have started thinking more about what's past the dirt road. Yeah. But sure. you're right that the, the movie asks you not to do that in a way. Because you don't have to. You never have to. And it wasn't until month four of doing this podcast that I've even started thinking in that expansive way but I find that so interesting because what the fuck is this world like yeah. if there yeah. are other enclaves because yeah. they have because they one... tease you right. they do a really good job of teasing you little little details here and there you know the people that they encounter off that road 
or you know people coming from the other they talk about the bullet farm you know yeah but but imagine Darwin listen so let me get into Darwinism for a second but imagine Darwin goes to Galapagos and finds all these finches doesn't at first think that they're uh, different species kills them bags them takes them back and they go oh these are all different species bro you've, you've stumbled on something pretty crazy here right um, you know there's a sense that oh these things in have evolved in isolation to each other and we've talked a lot about how the, the way these these different tribes fight with each other they've evolved together to be fighting each other in these specific ways they fight mm -hmm. so it implies to me that these these societies have developed in isolation from uh, the rest of the world in conjunction with each other this is isolated Galapagosian uh, evolution happening here right. but imagine if there's enclaves throughout the world that yeah, are, have how, also far, how far does it extend? Yeah. Australia communication is a is big gone. place. Yes. Right. Yes, right. It is. And communication is kind of broken down. I mean, that, that whole idea is enormous to me and super interesting, I think. Yeah, which yeah. is why I think that they can, they can keep taking this movie and, and redoing it and redoing it. I mean, I, I love that he created a movie that's as a fourth in a series, and yet you can walk in without, no, without even having seen those first I three movies. That. Yeah. And I also had Yuri's like machismo next to me drive me forward though his his panting and grunting and cheering, which <laughs> right, let me be honest, right. really helps <laughs> to enjoy the film because I was like yeah yeah I'm totally into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yuri keeps sweating on my thigh and it's really making this movie better. He's really into this thing. <laughs> did I tell you I, you were there? But did I, uh, I don't know if it's all the users, the listeners is what I'm saying. But we saw the Revenant and the guy next to us just just was squirming and talking to himself the whole movie. Yeah, really, so I was constantly yeah. being. あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ、あ
cue into in terms of why you think it's great? What are the aspects of it that, that specifically appeal to you? What I like, it, I always describe it as a two hour long car chase mm -hmm. that never stops. And it's, and it's great. It doesn't, you, you it, it, that almost sounds like a reason not to watch it. It, yeah. it does. And we've been arguing that. People have told us car that. Chase. Yeah. But that's what's great about it. They take a two hour car chase and make it the most fascinating thing in the world. And I, here's another thing I was thinking about this movie in general. There's not a ton of story there at all. You know a little bit about Max Rakotansky. You know a little bit about how the Citadel works. You know a little bit about what, what Furiosa is going through. Um, yeah. And a little bit when she gets there and, and, and we get towards the end of the film. Um, I assume anybody listening to this has seen the movie don't yeah, spoil we, it. Yeah, no, we committed yeah, we, to not spoil it. Okay, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> no, no, but, no, we, no, no, spoil it. Yeah, throughout that. Yeah, spoil anything you want. We're assuming that people have, <laughs> if you're listening to this, this podcast, you've seen it or at least five times. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. But I mean, they, they just find these points where you get just enough that you understand why they're driving, you understand why the, yeah. why the fights are happening, and it's just this, these, like, it's everything executed to its peak. Yeah. And... That to me is is an interesting thing to watch. Like I would love to see if you told me a filmmaker had found a way to make a two hour long car chase interesting and riveting throughout. I want to see how it's done. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've 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 t we've we've talked about that about how there's just enough information to to you know to keep moving. It's very streamlined to 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 tease you with with other things and to not feel. Like I've always talked about this before. Um, that I feel hugely respected as a viewer when I watch this movie because I don't feel like he's like, okay, well, let me explain what the bullet farm is. And let me explain what, so let me explain how Morton Joe came to power. Let me explain yeah. about you know all the, the you know all the things. We don't need that. But I would argue, and I, I think maybe it was just in in your wording that it's not that this that the movie doesn't have a lot of story, but it's, it's not doesn't have a lot of plot. Like the plot right. is really simple. Yeah. But then you get all this story laid into it. Um, which which makes even a you know a two hour car chase riveting from start to finish. It's super interesting to me. Like I, we keep bumping up against George Miller's creative process in this podcast, and I'm very intrigued by it because um, we've had people uh, talk about uh, the most efficient way of telling a patriarchal uh, the fall of a patriarchy story, and here's how you might do it. Here's how you might tell this kind of story, and it's reductionist, reductionist, reductionist. You get to something beautiful that's sublime through um, removal of dialogue and removal of extraneous plot details and stuff like that. The idea that you could come to the story by saying, I'm going to make a two-hour car chase, and then how do I make that work? Ever since you said it, I've been thinking about it because I find it very fascinating um, because you could come to the story through that lens. You could mm -hmm. come to the story and say, listen, I, it, let's say George Miller c comes to the story through a different way, still George Miller, but he says, I want to make a two-hour car chase work. That's my delivery mechanism. Here's how I'm going to do the story. What are the things I need to do to make this interesting? And instead of, as we've maybe posited in previous podcasts, that he starts with this crazy layered world and then builds the chase around it, it could just be, let me discover this as I go through this car chase and layer the world around the car chase. It's a different way in than I've thought about it before. And yeah. It's a different creative process, but something very, very interesting and, and totally plausible. I don't think that maybe it's what happened with George Miller here, given the previous movies he's made. Right. But what an interesting way to go about a film and a different way of telling a story is think, okay, here's how, here's how I want the story to look. Let me just figure this. Now let me back engineer everything else from that. That right. could be super fascinating. Have, have you ever seen The Chase with Charlie Sheen? And Henry Christy Rollins. Swanson. Right? Oh, Christy Swanson, yeah. I've seen, I think there's a sex scene in that, I see. There, okay, right, yep. I, I, I understand, <laughs> I understand. Am I revealing too much about my childhood? <laughs> no. You're revealing too much about The Chase, that's my podcast. <laughs> that's right, 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 it's called right. Cut to the Chase, it's, it's called... very popular. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Cut to the Chase. Um, because they do, they also do a similar thing in that the, the, the whole movie takes place in this long extended car chase. And arguably they do a good job. I remember, you know, I'd, I'd like to throw that into the, into the bag on your other podcast, you know, of movies that I saw in the... That would have been uh, early nineties, yeah. yeah. Um, that uh, I wonder if it holds up as, as you know as much as I loved it at the time. Um, a lot of great cameos. It's sort of a, a cannonball run for the nineties in a way, but mm. um, but they do it. But it's a completely different way. I mean, I, I wouldn't even put it in the same. You know, it's, it's got the same sort of central core uh, to you know plot, but I wouldn't put it anywhere near you know the the, the level of. Of you know expertise It'd be and, funny if you did, and, and joy 
Right, that's true. I should, I should, much like we did when Kalen was on and we compared uh, Mad, Mad Max, Max, to, Max to, to Magic, Magic Mike, Mike XXL, XXL. Yeah. Um, which actually tracks remarkably well. They got so excited about it. I, I mentioned it to Kalen, I was like, you want to come on this podcast? He's like, I want to talk about it with Magic Mike XXL. First things out of his mouth. And you probably thought he was joking. No, no, no. I don't think Kalen's joking. About <laughs> yeah, ever, right. Yeah. No, I, sometimes I think he's joking, but, I, but not about Magic Mike. He right. doesn't joke about Magic Mike. Just reality. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, I do think it's interesting to think, imagine. Um, I do. I. I do think you can get to this movie from different creative starting points, and uh, tracking that through and figuring out the the, the level of detail and minutia and what came first. And because so many ideas feel uh, inextricably layered together and intertwined, that it's hard as a creative to imagine. Okay, what did he start in this idea or this character? Which of these elements came in first and which were layered on later? Because it all feels so cohesive and real. Yeah. I, I love the thought of trying to figure out where where this um, brainstorming process could have started and how it evolved. I, I'm very intrigued by that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so it it is like again, that's that's an elevator pitch for me to say it's a two hour long car chase because at least people understand that. Mm. If I say it's about the uh, toppling of the patriarchy or right. about the subversion and domination of the working class and poor or right. you know what the struggle for freedom in, right. in a world where everything is against you at all times that's some people that's when the eyes start to glaze over yeah like right. all right i'm just gonna go home and put on rfd tv and settle in <laughs> right. um but so, you know it handle it handles all those things it's the, the i'd say this movie is the ultimate um achievement in show don't tell well, you're describing good science fiction, too, yeah, which is yeah. a, a, all good science fiction is a central, easily pitched question or what if that then has a, enormous a metaphorical resonances. And then hides, yeah, hides moral truths, hides moral truths, you know, on, you know, in, in fiction. Yeah. Um, and I, sci-fi has always been, you know, Battlestar Galactica is one of the most political shows, you know, out there, but also one of the greatest sci-fi, you know, I mean, yeah. more most enjoyable, you know, sci-fi series around. Yeah, and I and uh, this this is a jump of a podcast, but our Twilight Zone episode, I wanted to not backtrack on something I said, but I said I didn't like moral science fiction, morality tale science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first two episodes of the Twilight Zone movie are just schlocky morality tales about you shouldn't be racist, or you should learn how to be young at heart. You know, it's just like dumb things. Yeah. It's not that I hate moral or resonant science fiction. Mad Max has moral lessons, I think, certainly. Battlestar Galactica has huge moral lessons. That's, I, that's not what I... It's reductionist moral lessons I, uh, mm-hmm. that I, I rebel against. I find yeah. really annoying. Yeah. And I think that, that, that Mad Max, certainly at least, avoids easy moral answers to every question it asks. They're always human answers. Right. You, you just, the person, that person does what that person would do, which is... Not hard, not easy to do as a creative. I think to make your characters behave in ways that like people would do. Agreed. Yeah. Max always acts like Max, whether that, it's in a grunt, a gesture, that is a usually, fight. That that is usually uh, one of my biggest gripes when I see a movie is I, that's you set this person up one way and and then they they act against what you've set up. Yeah. Or you you set up rules. Yeah. I'm I'm a big uh, believer, especially in genre stuff, but really in anything. If you set up rules at the beginning, don't then break the rules later on just to make your plot work or just because, you know, just for a gag. It's my main complaint about Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And, and, and so if sorry. you're going to... You're going to be okay. Um, and if, you're, if you feel like you want to break those rules, go back because you're writing the script, right? This is your thing. Go back and change those rules so you can get that thing that you want. But don't but don't wait till you know you're making the movie and then just break the rules to you know to get to get something you want. Right. Um, and I and I feel that that always you know takes me out of it. That's that's usually the first thing that I'll, I'll complain about. Yeah, I'll go with you till you give me reason not to. Right. I will, I'm with you until I have a reason to not be right. with you anymore. And uh, certainly, Mad Max never gives me a reason. It, it, so, yeah. It, it digs me more into that hole. Um, yeah. We left off last. Um, sorry. Uh, well, you well you go and then and then I've, okay, I've got hold on to that. Yeah. I, we left off last uh, episode or last guest episode trying to imagine what the sequel might be like to this um, because they're they're in process, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in creative brainstorm process. Do you have instincts or thoughts or hopes about what uh, a sequel to this film might look like? To me, it's uh, to me. It, I think it's most interest, interesting as an anthology series of films where the thing that ties them all together is. Max Rakitansky is wound up somewhere else. So we've yeah. we've sort of seen that story at the end of Fury Road play out. And 
it's nice to imagine where where it might be, and maybe maybe we see that for a moment, or there's some. It's, to me, that what I what the reason why I wouldn't want it to come back is I feel like it would work as like a Deus Ex Machina, like mm-hmm. he's in an impossible position. Then all of a sudden, here come the women warriors who he helped out, so they owe him a debt, right? And and now they've solved all the problems. Rather right. than just show me more of this world, use him to Catalyze. to reveal. Yeah. It's it's like you're playing a, a any video game where you have the small map in the corner and it's dark except where your character is. Yeah. And you, when you go back, you, the map is still revealed because you've been there, but outside of that, it's pitch black. And the right. fun of that game is you're going to discover the world as you go, and it's not what's behind you, it's what's ahead that's exciting. So love that's it. what I want to see. I, yeah. I love that. The, yeah. the, I, in my mind, the best sto- storytelling device ever invented was that map with yeah. part of it illuminated mm-hmm. because it's showing you what you don't know yet. Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing that you never know. You never know what you don't know, um, and you have to literally go there too to to expose light yeah. on the map. I love that storytelling device, and I I hope I hope what you say is right. I, I that would be incredible. Like I would I would yeah. be okay with like, if they told another story, and like one of the wives like shows up as a cameo or something. You know, one little thing maybe from the movie. Um, it doesn't need that, me, but I would I would appreciate that, but like not more than that. Let me pitch you something, Yuri. Okay, what if? Okay, hit me. Uh, in the next sequel to Mad Max Fury Road, Mad Max runs into, let's say, Charlize Theron, uh, and she's driving a camel cart. But she doesn't know Max at all. She doesn't recognize him, and the movie gives no indication that they've ever met, and we just go on as if that's a new character. Would that work for you? I'm going to feel bad um, by, by saying this, but it would make me wonder if, at the beginning of making this sequel... George Miller had just lost somebody close to him. <laughs> because because what, we're, what, what he's referring to is the beginning of Thunderdome, which is sort of exists as, as an anomaly. As, as much as people refer to Thunderdome, because there are like a couple good lines and a couple... It's it's the worst of the movies. It uh, makes Roger no Ebert, sense. Four we, stars. Yeah, Roger... Well, Roger Ebert, anyway. yeah, four stars. But you can tell from his review that he only watched the first 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. which is a four star. For which is a four star. The first 15 minutes... I love the show of Roger Ebert gone too soon. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, 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 estab- we, estab- we bring Max in, uh, stripped of all the things that we love him for and, uh, bring back a character from a, from the, the previous movie. And it's as if he doesn't recognize who Max is. It's really weird decision. <laughs> o- ostensibly his best friend from the first movie. Yeah. Bring back that character and it's like also, they've never met before. Again, not to harp on this, but also that character left with a woman at the end of the previous film now has a child doesn't have the woman. All makes sense. He, he's progressed in his life. And right. we've used the child to show passage of time. All that's working fine, except Max doesn't know who he is, and he right. doesn't know Max. Right. So I don't get it. And it's, yeah. And, and we've already established that George Miller is sort of, each of these movies is in, in some way a reboot of the last movie. Okay. Um, you know, he's telling, he's telling a similar story uh, with, with, a, with a similar, I mean, maybe except after, after, after the first one, the, like the, um, so you could say, Oh, it's just sort of a shade of that character, but it's it's it is the first time they're meeting again because this is a whole. Re- but but then they yeah no. It's, it'd just be funny if you threw in a character who pretends not to know the plot of the last film that that character was involved in. Yeah no, I'm, now I'm just angry that you brought that up. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, you before I brought no. in the sequel idea, you were going to say um, something. I was gonna because uh, because Hal is a, is an extremely funny guy. Um, it it makes me think um, that one of the things we've never really discussed. On on this show about the movie is the role of comedy <clears throat> in in this movie. We've never really brought that up before. Every now and then we talk about how something is. You're totally funny. right. That's a great point. But you know, in a movie like this, that is that is nonstop action and and, and and joy and octane and you know blood and fury. You have to find moments of comedy to to keep it going. I think mm. and and to poke fun at itself, even in a serious. And as as you know, detailed as the world he's created is, and it didn't occur to me until we were talking about something, and I'm like, oh yeah, there are, there are definite moments of comedy throughout this that never feel inorganic, to the, or and never feel like you're stepping out. Oh, here's a guy and woman, and then we're back to the. All of them, as ridiculous as some of them are, comedy gold. Absolutely right. There are pressure the, valves on this growing balloon. Yeah. To so keep it from popping, you have to have a little bit of comedy. Yeah. To... I mean, Nux, you know, we've talked about, it, is, is the heart of the film. Right. He is the, the, the character that has, you know, a journey. Which, I've, I've shortchanged Max a little bit in the past when I discussed that, because I say Nux is the only one who does that. Whereas Max, you know, at the beginning starts uh, running completely on survival mode, and at the end makes 
you know, ostensibly two decisions that have nothing to do really with survival, but with humanity, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. His own humanity and finding his humanity again. But I would say overall, Nux is the one who starts at one end of the scale and at the, at the end is a complete, you know, completely transformed and makes a sacrifice, you know, in, in, a, in a way that is different from the sacrifice he, he wants to make at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. you know, for, for different reasons. Um, and, but he is also the clown, you know, in, in this film. He, he's, 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 he's always the one with the, the fucking smile on his face. It's, it's always happy time for him. He's, he's the, he's the constant fuck up. We've, we've, you know, uh-huh. we've determined he keeps trying to do these, these epic things and fucks up yeah. every time. He names his tumors and drew on them. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> great, great little comic <laughs> moment, but you know, not comic to him, but then, but we get that, we get to laugh at that. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? And had you, had you pegged that? Because this, yeah. this is the only time it's really becoming it's becoming a thing for me, it's becoming clear to me. No, it's a good it's a good point. I think it most of the humor in the film comes from the fact that it's so over the top, and they're like, "Oh yeah, fuck you, we're gonna go even further, yeah. and we're gonna completely like nobody's going to think anything is weird. like nobody questions the fact that there's a guy with a flame shooting guitar double double net, which to me is the most hilarious thing in the whole movie. It's, like that that's. And I get it. It makes sense. Instead of having somebody playing war drums, they've got this guy with the, these yeah. giant amp stacks behind yeah. him, and he's playing. And then when they slow down, he's like, yeah, like it's makes total hilarious. sense. Totally yeah. organic. But, yeah, a badass as fuck. At the same time, is hilarious as fuck. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. actually a good lesson for comedy. Leaning into your premise harder and being more truthful to it sometimes gets you really funny places, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's commitment. It's Agreed. a similar principle, although very different application, yeah. as Leslie Nielsen in, in Airplane. He took a guy who was a dramatic actor his whole life. He comes yeah. in, and, st- and where, he, where it fell down for him later on in his, in his comedic career is when he started, like, everything was like farts, and he was making weird faces. It, yeah, Didn't work the, way, the same way it did, where he's like, I just want you to know we're all counting on you. Like, repeatedly, yeah. same Dead thing serious. over and over again. Dead serious. Played it straight. Like, yeah. that... Th- that gets you a lot more in terms of laughs than yeah. the person who's like winking at the camera. Same thing Absolutely. with Jim. K- like all the uh, all the great comedy is is they're do- taking what they're doing serious. They're committed one hundred percent to what they're doing. Yeah. They're not gonna comment on their stuff at all on the quality of it or whatever. Like isn't this weird? They're just sort of playing which, it which, out. Which is why I I admire good you know comic actors and comedians so much because I love comedy and when I get on stage and you know and I'm doing funny shit I always crack myself like I would be so I would be so much a better actor if I could get through the funny stuff and not also think that it's funny right right you know because you always you always see it on my face Tara's always like I, I could tell I, you were you were holding that, but I could tell a little bit you 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 know you were you were tickled by what you just said and the laugh from the audience and, yeah. and all that. That is my if there, if I if I could you know wish like a superpower added to you know to my acting. Yeah. it would be to be able to keep a straight face through comedy, especially if I've written it, because that's the worst. Because right. if I hear somebody laugh, I'm like you know, <laughs> you know I like I can't. And people are like, oh well, if that happens, if you you know if you corpse on stage or whatever, just just go with it and laugh. And I I'd, I'd be laughing all the time. Yeah. Um, because I just, I just, I just cannot. Um, but you're right. It's if you, if you play that straight, the uh, you know the boot gag, mm-hmm. you know throughout the the running boot gag where uh, Slit you know takes his boot, then he takes uh, Nux's boot, and then which becomes a touching thing when he gives Nux's Nux a boot back when he brings back a boot for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the uh, um, no go go. I, I I lost my butt. No, I was just gonna say that this this podcast, <clears throat> the evolution of this particular podcast. And this has been a good episode for it, I think, has been interesting to see because you can't sustain an indefinite podcast about, about one film, but what it's become... You, you shut your filthy Well, mouth. no, but what it's become... <laughs> this is going forever. It's, it's mutated into something which, which, especially in the guest episodes, has been sort of a conversation about how to construct stories and how to construct modern fairy tales and myths, um, which has become very interesting. I mean, Mad Max, we didn't touch on this today... But Mad Max has robust metaphors built into it, which we sort of tease at and, and chip away at and with the understanding that, that there's no correct answer to these things. But they just he's tapping into great veins of mythology in our culture. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I think in terms of uh, even comedic storytelling, what I'm now thinking about more is the idea that 
this is a lesson we've all known, but to, to watch it internalized and presented to us in this way is really interesting, which is leaning into truth always results in better X. So leaning into truth, just character truth results in better storytelling, better action sequences, better fight scenes. We learned that last guest episode, better comedy scenes. It's just leaning into the reality of it, not trying to ever think about what does the audience want, not trying to think about what does, what does this, what does the studio want. It's just what does the character want in this scene? What does the world give this character in the scene? What's the reality of what we've done? Let's start yeah. from there and then let's backtrack what the story is. But it just feels yeah. like more than any movie I've ever seen, it's so etched and dug into reality. Right. It's just crazy to say about a science fiction film set in a post-apocalyptic Australian wasteland. And something that is as over the top as this film is, yeah. to call that reality, but it is in, in the world of that film and it's, as it's created. is. But isn't it so true to itself? Yeah. And isn't it so yeah. funny? And isn't it so action-y? And isn't it so heart pounding? Yeah. yeah. And, and oh. so when you, when you get characters like, you know, Rictus Erectus, you know, going, Dad! Dad, Dad, <laughs> that's still my you know, or you know, most of his lines, you know, are you know have a comic element because he's you know big dummy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, it's funny because he's himself. It's yeah. funny because he says things that are his, something that guy would say. Exactly, he's not saying a joke. He's he's you know true to, to his his character, and it's funny. Slit, you know, when Slit's like, I have his boot. You know, when when Nux yeah. gets the he shows the thing that he picked up from the wives, and and they're like, get on get on the truck, you're going with us. And Slit's like. Oh, I've got his boot. You yeah, know? Yeah, that's yeah. funny. It's <laughs> yeah, it's also yeah. uh, a weird callback to the Monty Python's The Life of Brian for me. Right, um, right. You know, the follow the shoe. Yeah, you know, the, uh, the whole uh. everybody's got a thing. Um, but it's not. They're not stepping out of character to do it. They're not doing it just for a gag. It all it feeds fast. toward the you story. You know what? That's why this line bugged me. That bugged me the other day is that at one point they throw the lance past Max's head. And Max goes, "Hey, that's my head," and it bugged me. And I think it's because in, a, in a, a different film, it wouldn't bug me. It's just a funny gag. It's a funny line, whatever. Right. But this movie, there's so few things said for laughs or done for laughs. There's things that are just happen to be funny yeah. or happen to play funny. Yeah. Um, that one just felt like I didn't need that line. It felt like you're reaching for a moment I didn't need because it didn't feel like necessarily what would, would have happened, the character yeah. would have it's said. It's sort of like an old, like the really old uh, Popeye cartoons. Yeah. When they just, the actors would just improvise, they're like, oh, no, look under these stairs. Oh, it's, like, it's that thing, right? It's my head. Like, yeah. did yeah. they just have him go yeah. for a while? Just watch yeah. the movie and just say whatever you're thinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's my head. Okay. Yeah. But they, they do a fantastic job, by and large, of avoiding that. Like, nothing is, for all the odd things that we see that are completely bizarre to us, there's no. Sometimes I think filmmakers or, or screenwriters feel the need to, all right, well, the character who represents the audience in this has to react similarly to the way the audience would. They have to, like, oh, they, they think it's right. weird. Like, he's like, look at these pole vaulting guys with the bombs. Isn't yeah. this crazy? Like, yeah. there's none of that. Every, yeah. every person chasing them is a threat that needs to be dealt with. And mm -hmm. there's no, you don't need that. It doesn't need to be quippy at all. There's yeah. no, it doesn't serve any purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, as the audience, you you have enough. It's great that you're that this is the kind of film where the audience knows nothing. Like you really don't know anything more than any of the characters know. You get to discover it with them, which I yeah. think allows you to to immerse yourself yeah. and and not think about what's. You don't have to have that moment of like, don't go around that corner. Any choice they're making could be the right or wrong choice, mm -hmm. right. and you don't know, and yeah. that keeps you on the edge of your seat because you're just wondering the whole time. Totally, it's yeah. just confident, mature storytelling. It really is, and it feels like a movie you could, it couldn't have been made in the 80s or 90s. It feels like a modern no. story tale, fairy tale. It feels confident and comfortable with its audience and it feels like it trusts us a little bit yeah. to go along it. with it and, and figure it out. Oh, in the 80s it would have been a bunch of guys. Or it would have been, yeah. Furiosa would have been a guy. Yeah, right. Let yeah. me go find right. the other men right, 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 <laughs> who were around exactly. here. Exactly. And there would, there would just be one woman that they were, you know, trying to help escape. And yeah, no, yeah. it was... Somebody shut us, that woman sure. up. She's crying again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, we're, we're way, way pushed on time here. It was Are we really? Wow, it, really? Is it already? 48 minutes. Um, wow. So what? I just want to ask you, yes. uh, before we get to the wrap-up part, Let's do it. are there anything that we didn't talk about that you were, like, burning to talk about? I know we kind of took our time ramping up to this conversation, but... Um, Which is always fair. I just want to leave you uh, feeling feeling um, un, unspoken. No, no, not at all. I I just I really enjoy this movie a great deal, and I love uh, getting a chance. I don't think I've ever really sat and have it, had an extended conversation about yeah. it with anybody, which is great to yes. sit and talk about it with you guys. And That's I hope it. that people out there, I, again, I don't think this is this the audience of this film is necessarily people who, or for this podcast are people who haven't seen the film, but. Uh, the, 
find somebody who hasn't seen it and and watch it with them. Speaking of, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna have uh, my friend Ben Seiden. <coughs> hello, Ben. Uh, uh, has never he seen Mad Max. He then he's listen. not listening to this podcast. You don't well, have to no, say I, hi I, to him. I, I, well, you just, it's polite. You say hi to people you <laughs> okay. reference. Hi, Ben Seidman. Okay, hi, there you go. Uh, he has not seen the movie and has been waiting to watch it with me. So I will get to watch it with someone for the first time. For the first time. Uh, coming up. I'll let you know how that goes. Or maybe yes. I'll have him, in for, have him in for five minutes of the podcast. And be like, did you like the film? He'll say, yeah. I'm like, cool, get out of here, kid. <laughs> <laughs> the boy's going to talk about something high level now. Um, anyway, that's going to be fun for me. Uh, plugs? Anything else you want to talk about? Um, no plugs. I'm trying to think if there are any more comic. But you know, we'll, we'll come back to the comedy of it maybe sometime. That's I love that. Point. I, I love no, that, yeah, that, that that we've never really that's never been a thing we've talked about before. And and now I'm gonna I'm gonna be now going through looking with a different lens. Truth and comedy. Uh, Hal, anything you'd like to plug uh, that people should look out sure. for? Hal does Let me so much stuff. Plug Go. some stuff. Okay. Plug some stuff. Uh, first of all, I have a podcast of my own. It mm. is uh, with with one of my closest friends, who you know as well, mm. Mark Gagliardi, also from the Philly Adventure Hour, from Drunk History, Welcome to Night Vale, um, uh, Star vs. the Forces of Evil, if you are a cartoon oh, watcher. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, he was on Yeah, he does that. a whole bunch of stuff on that show as well. Um, he deserves it. It's on the Maximum Fun Network which is a which is a really fun podcast. Why would you go network? to any other fun network? Well, well you wouldn't. It's the maximum. Yeah, fun. this is the most fun. Does it that get you can any have. better? No, I can't. It doesn't. It's, Linguistically, it can't. We're so. maxed out on fun. Perfect. Uh, it's called "We Got This with Mark and Hal," and in it, we take uh, basically the things that people argue about in a bar and settle them once and for all. Oh, I heard so we about take this. the yeah. subjective and we make it uh, we make it objective, yeah. once and for all settled. For example, this past week, in honor of Civil War, we we decided between Captain America and Iron Man. Once and for all, so that anybody watching the film knew which side they I were. I thought you were going to say we settled between the north and the south. We settled, between... and I was like, "Wow, that's a really bold." Who had to take the south position? The on that answer one? may surprise you. <laughs> Tune in next week. Um, but you can uh, you can go to maximumfun.org. We're there, or you can look for. We got this with Mark and Hal on iTunes. Um, I have some shows coming. When is this episode going to to be out? Mm, next uh, week, two weeks. It'll be yeah. It won't be it won't be this coming week, but it'll be the week after that. So before May twenty first. Correct. May 21st, yes. everybody. Uh, yeah. Go to the Improv Lab on Melrose Boulevard to see uh, Carter Parton Rogers. She's doing a live show, 6 p.m. Uh, it is hilarious. She is a, a wannabe country music uh, singing sensation who is played by, created, conceived, and portrayed by my wife, Jennifer. Uh, hilarious character. She's been doing oh, it for years. Shit. She's doing yes, a monthly please. show. So if you are in L.A., uh, May 21st there, June 3rd, at the at the nerdist uh, space, the um, at the meltdown, the meltdown, yeah. nerd melt, the nerd, nerd melt, melt showroom. Nerd melt, right. Uh, I'm doing a show with my good friend Joseph Scrimshaw. Oh, I love uh, Joseph that is called Head Cannon. It is a pop quiz comedy uh, comedy show. We'll have a panel of guests right now. Um, I believe those guests are set. Uh, will Wheaton will be among those joining Fuck us. That guy. So if you want to just come back and I mean hi Will, just stare at him, just stare at him lovingly. Look at that beard. No, yeah, he earned it. I, I, I fell into Will Wheaton's no, beard once. Yeah, it. you fell in. And I fell just, into Will Wheaton's beard. And it was like the end of Ant Man. It was when he went subatomic. Yeah, everything I would live there. I would live in Will Wheaton's beard. Yeah, you live in Will Wheaton's beard. Go to halloublin.com or follow me on Twitter at Hal Lublin. I love that. You have yeah. one. You have definitely one more subscriber to your podcast. Yes, I right. did it. For me, this guy. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, please go subscribe to all those things. Um, Hal, we love you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. This is a blast. Super dope. You have to come back. Yes. Um, so my name is Travis Intel. I'm Hal Lublin. My name is Yuri Lowenthal, and you are awaited.